From Uniforms to Unicorns is sponsored by Brand 47 Coffee, which was founded by Holly and Alex, both first responders looking to create a sustainable business to pass on to their two sons with Down syndrome, Jax and Nico. Thinking about the future has always been in the forefront of their heads for their boys, creating meaningful employment and independence as adults. The only way to do that was to create it. Brand 47 Coffee Co. provides the most unique and fun-flavored coffee. Seriously, it is so good. Our Mine and Sharon's favorite is the Coco Loco. It's coconut-infused. It is to die for. All of their coffee is small batch and roasted to order. They are incredible people doing incredible things. Their vision is to keep the world caffeinated, to stay special, and be extra. You can find them at brand47coffee.com. Welcome to From Uniforms to Unicorns. This podcast is all about our experience as female corrections officers, our challenges, our triumphs, and our transitions out of the career. Lauren and I have always had a significant bond. Friends, moms, and business owners that happen to be in prison. Life attempted to separate us, but we always found a way back to each other. Through huge life milestones, tragedy, and random text messages saying, I thought of you today. We know there is huge curiosity surrounding these topics. And we aren't the only ones that struggle. There are also incredible stories just waiting to be shared. And we want this to be a safe place for us and you to talk about the often unspoken world of correction. Grab a coffee, head out on a walk, or just take a break. Let me warn you, we have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> From uniforms to unicorns. Hey, Lauren here. Just wanted to remind you that some of the things that Sharon and I and our guests talk about on this podcast can have adverse effects or bring on triggers for experiences that you have had in the past. So we just wanted to give you a little bit of a warning before you listen to any of the podcast episodes and say, take care of yourself. And thank you again for being here and listening. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Lauren. How's your summer going, bud? Good. Good to see you. You know what? One time... You should say hi, Lauren, instead of me saying hi, Sharon. I guess so, but then that's just not as fun. I know, I know. We can expect thinking... expect the unexpected. Yeah, right. Maybe we'll switch <laughs> it up one time. Who knows? Who knows? Good summer. Yeah, it's going good. Too fast, right? Yeah, it just I goes too you. fast. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, uh, I'm excited about today and our chat. We had. Uh, someone reach out to us after Jillian's podcast saying like, Hey, I know Jillian, blah, blah. And we had a cancellation for this week, which uh, worked out good. Cause I think this is everything happens for a reason. So yes. I'm, I'm so excited about this. So today we have uh, Cindy Burns with us. She's also an SIO at SASPEN and she's just going to share her little story with us. I'm sure it's not little, but uh, her, her, her extensive story with us uh, about her career in corrections. So uh, Sharon, I'll let you take it away. Yeah. So um, you've been in corrections for 25 years. Uh, Correct. Look, she looks amazing. So she looks amazing. Yes, <laughs> she started absolutely. at 10. She started at 10, right? <laughs> oh, bless so. your heart, you guys. Bless your heart. <laughs> so, um, so what led you to corrections? Um, well, it was kind of an accident. I didn't know anybody in corrections. It wasn't something I ever even dreamed of or thought of. Um, but I was working as an EMT uh, in a small town here in Saskatchewan, and um, I ended up pregnant and I was, I don't know, probably six months, five, six months along. And, and because we were a small town ambulance company, um, we worked kind of 24 hours a day, five or six days in a row. So you, I'm aging myself. We didn't have radio or we didn't have cell phones back then. We just had radios. So you would just carry your radio <laughs> around with you 24 seven, right. And wait for your call. Um, but I was like, five, six months pregnant. And I'm thinking like, I can't keep doing this job after my baby comes because how am I going to have a babysitter on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I don't think my baby can be coming along on calls. Um, yeah. <laughs> and because we were a small town ambulance company, we worked and relied on um, like volunteer firefighters and volunteer first responders to assist us with some of the calls. 
And one of the uh, firefighters, volunteer firefighters, I was talking to him after a call and was, he's asking, you know, about the baby and this and that. And I kind of said, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And he said, and he, um, and I didn't know what he did for a real job, like it was a non-volunteer job. And he was a programs officer at Sask Penn uh, in the special handling unit when we still had the shoe at Sask Penn. And uh, he said, you know, Cindy, you should apply. I think you'd be really good. And there's good benefits and good pay and good retirement, which retirement at that time in your life is beyond, like, you're not even you thinking care. of that. No, you, you don't, don't care. care. <laughs> no, you don't care. So anyway, so I applied and I got through right through um, all the processes and I, it came to my co-pat. So they called me up and said, you know, you've been successful. I want you to come to your co-pat. And I'm like, well, I'm eight months pregnant. So oh God. I, I can't, I can't <laughs> come right now. <laughs> and they're like, okay, well, we'll, you know, call you back when our next kind of group goes through. So I thought, you know, what, I'm done for, they're not going to phone me. This chick got pregnant. Yeah, we, whatever. But sure enough, they called and my daughter was four weeks old when they called for me to do the cold path. And oh, I remember <laughs> I loaded up my daughter and my husband in the car and drove the hour to the gym where I had to run my cold path. And I like quickly nursed her in the car Um and then stuffed my bra full of like <laughs> breast pads so that I wouldn't leak, right? So I go in there and I run this co-path and I passed it somehow. And uh, so I ended up going on core at the end of November and my daughter was born in August. So I went on core when she was like three Sherry, and a half could months you old. A, could you have ran a co-path four weeks no. after? No, I couldn't even lift my own baby. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, we both, had, we both had C-section. So we're, we'll have to call us again next time. Yeah. So, yeah or I'd no say I, I could do it and I'll just leave my uterus here at the side, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Well, you know what, you guys, I was like, there's no way I'm gonna pass this but I think having a baby just gives you like some sort of a superpower for a while right so it was like I just had a big yes. and my, my baby was like nine and a half pounds and I just had a big baby like I can do anything you know so I had this <laughs> yes. sort of, kind of hyped up you know so you also had pads about. in your underwear as well yeah. <laughs> right exactly I still do um, so we're good <laughs> yeah. so yeah so I ended up on core and passed my core and of course straight out of core training um send you straight to the women's unit which um SAS Penn um housed some of the worst females in Canada and we basically opened the unit up at SAS Penn because of the closure of another unit uh lots of drama behind that but um they didn't have a lot of females in corrections at that time in general so they didn't almost didn't have enough to run this unit when they took it on so every female that came through got kind of stuck into so the you fsw know, you know noje then don't you i do know noje have sure you listened to her absolutely. podcast i have not go oh, listen to Lori's. She's hilarious. I love her. Yeah. It's, it'll be oh. your favorite of all times. It's like, <laughs> guarantee, guarantee. Yeah, we got a Noche podcast. It's, yeah. uh, it's a new last name. Did we put, no, I think we put yeah. Noche. She's got a new last name though. Uh, yeah, she does. Yeah, but you'll find yeah. it. It's in there. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, yeah. No, she, you know what? It was women like her that I worked with that made, like that actually made your days go by without, you know, totally anything. Yeah, you know, like just her humor and her, you know, personality and yeah, anyways. So, so yeah, into the FSW I went and uh, oh day, day one of OJT, walk in the door and I had never even stepped foot in a prison and the door slammed shut behind me and I'm like, oh my God, what the hell am I thinking? So I kind of battle through it and I, and I go to the women's unit and I'm day one and <laughs> day one, um, I was a staff, I was assaulted with a weapon on day one. What? So what? Basically, yeah. So this female, she grabbed one of those, you know, like those big yellow mop pails that the oh, yeah. have for cleaning. And it was like uh, the, the ringer part with the big handle. So oh, yeah. she's walking out of the cleaning room with it. And I'm like, and of course I had frisked her like I do on core. So yeah. I'm sure I had her pissed so, off. So yeah, this you point. already, she already right. tagged me with already. your feet. You don't even <laughs> yeah. know how to do a pat down. You're no, okay. right? <laughs> so anyway, so she comes out <laughs> cleaning her with this thing in her hand. And I'm like, what the hell is she doing? Like, just clueless. And the next thing I know, it's flying at me and another officer beside me. And I, we both kind of deflected it. And before I even knew what was happening, there was like four or five officers took her down. And I, I was like, oh my God. 
Like I didn't even, I was just so surprised at how fast my backup was and how fast and how safe I felt in that moment. Cause these women that worked there, they knew what they were doing and they were so good. And I just like, I just fell into a camaraderie with them almost right away. And it was like, we're, we're all on the ground and we're kind of looking at each other like, well, welcome to the FSW. <laughs> yeah. like, all right, then that's how it's going to go. Um, and, and the days were like that. Um, I was there for two and a half years and there was days where you would drive up to work for your three to 11 shift when I did the seven, three, seven, four, and you would see smoke billowing out the windows of the FSW on your way to work. So it was like always stuff going on. Like we didn't even put the fire hoses away some days, right? Like it was just constant. Um, Yes. So that's basically, <laughs> anyway, I'm rambling on beyond. No, go ahead. Into no, because that, I would say like, that was what our secure unit was like at the, which, at the beginning, right? Yes. Yeah. Sharon was there before it was really even our, our built. that I knew yeah. was built. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, and same thing. Like I, I, there was a mop when I was locked on the site range with an inmate, you would probably know. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> <likely. laughs> um, and that was like, there was a mop on the range. And I was like, I'm totally going to get killed with this thing yeah. right now. Yes. Like, I, I was like, whatever, I, when she was, came out of the cell door, I was able, and you know how they don't like lock right away. So you have to like yeah. open it and then the mechanism yeah. has to come out. So she was able to come out and then it took a few times for it to actually connect. And I was like, just don't be, just don't get be in the cell. Just don't let her grab yeah. you in the cell. Yeah. But then after I've like, I saw the moth puck and I'm like, now, and I thought no. like, oh, she's going to beat me with the phone or the mop or no. right. Like, or her so, fists yeah. or, or, her oh, yeah. fists. or a chef. Yeah. yeah. I was oh, more wait. worried. I'm more worried about the mop and the phone because <laughs> that phone, like the, they're, they're not well connected to the wall. Not well enough, but whatever. yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, yeah. And when those things happen, it's so true. Like that camaraderie yeah. is built yeah. in that instant of like, mm-hmm. okay, like I know now that, you know, I, and Char- like, I always flapped my mouth because I knew like Sharon's just going to be done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. I don't know, I'm not overly concerned because I know I'm good. Right. Like, yeah. but there are people that you, you didn't do that with, right. There were yes. people that you, and For you sure. learn that as you go, obviously the first day, that's not yeah. something, you know, or, you know, carry with you, but yeah, the, yeah for sure crazy crazy first day oh, and did yeah. you hear about Jillian's OJT because she was with me during huh? the escape like yeah OJT oh, awesome I mean yes. it is good right because it, you learn you a learn lot. you learn you on do. the go yeah but, you do so yeah. and then and, so you stayed there for two and a half years and then yes. you what um, did you do transfer out well, of there yeah so I ended up pregnant with my second and back then women weren't accommodated so I actually worked on the floor with the women until I was about eight months Um, I mean you guys I was involved in use of forces like you know like they there just wasn't that it was like oh you got pregnant you still got to come here and do your job sort of thing (laughs) and you only had six months at home at that time and not a year for your maternity so if you went off early it cut into the little bit of maternity time that you had Right. right. So I worked there till I was, you know, like eight months. Uh, and then I went off. And when I was coming back to work, I'd asked if I could go um, into the medium male unit, just because I had kind of done my time in the women's unit. Um, and by then they had hired quite a few more females. So I, I moved out into the medium. Um, but probably one of the more su- significant incidents that I was involved in, and this is something that um, was very difficult at the time, but it, the situation and the incident evolved into um, kind of where I've learned to deal with stress and how I've learned to deal with trauma. It was kind of like my first major trauma event. Um, and do you guys want me to talk about that? Is yeah. that something I can go ahead into? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Because it is, so, it is part of the story, right? And it and, is, yeah. And going through those traumatic events and then kind of, and you had talked about like schism and being part of that team. So I yeah. really want you to touch on that because awesome. okay. ours was very different. Our experience was different. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I always love to hear different perspectives and stuff. So yeah, yeah. please. please yeah, share. cool. Um, so like I said, I was in the medium unit and uh, I was on 12 hour shifts and it was getting close to 7 p.m. So my 12 hour shift was just ending and I was sitting there in recreation with a couple other officers and I heard the radio keyed. Um, and then I heard kind of a lowered light, like, sort of a scream and I heard a barrier slam and 
once you've worked in a unit for a long time, I knew the sound of that barrier. I knew that that was the women's unit. And before anybody even really had a chance to, you know, figure anything out, I was already gone. Um, I was the first one that got there. And, and eventually, as I was running, I heard over the radio, staff hostage, staff hostage. Um, oh God. So, yeah. So I was one of the first ones there. There was about four or five of us that came from the medium. And uh, uh, I'm not going to go into a lot of details of just out of respect to the officer. But yeah. by the time I got there, you know, I saw what they were doing to her. Um, it was four females. Um two of them very notorious you would know the one if I said the name mm -hmm. um and very very dangerous individuals and um it was really difficult to not go in and help her um because they were basically screaming like get back get back or else we'll cut her whatever whatever so we had to retreat and I was on the female cell extraction team at that time with Noje actually oh, wow. um, yeah cool. uh, and we also had the male uh, ERT team that was there for the incident. Uh, they ended up holding her for four and a half hours. Um, so basically the male ERT was there to do anything tactical. And then we were to come in and do all the cuffing, escorting, uh, searching, all that kind of stuff. So after four and a half hours, they released her. And then we had to go ahead and escort all the females to a different area and we were really, really angry. First, we were tired. We were exhausted. We're wearing our, I don't know if you guys had proper cell extraction team equipment, but back then we basically had like uh, whatever we could find in hockey bag for hockey equipment, right? So <laughs> we're sweating, we're hot, we're frustrated, we're angry, we're sad, we're going through all these emotions. And the negotiators had negotiated her release by providing them, promising them fast food and phone calls to their boyfriends and other institutions. Oh, so God. we had to then after still suited up, had to feed these women their um, fast food and give them their phone calls to their boyfriends and things like mm -hmm. that. So we were really angry that we thought like our, our colleague was exchanged for pizza and phone calls, you know, yeah. like we, we couldn't understand the concept of how, like we were just angry. Right. And now looking back on it, you see, I mean, fantastic job by the negotiators, you know, that they got her out of there in four and a half hours is, you know, when you think about what could have happened. Um, so the exchange, you know, was understandable now that I look back at it. But going into the CISM uh, part of it, you know, that night they said, you know, before you guys go home, you need to come to do this demobilization. So we're all kind of like tired and we're pissed off. We just want to write our reports. We want to go home to our kids. You know, we want to we want to just get out of here and we have to go do this demobilization. And I don't remember much of the demob part of it because um, I think it was just because there was so much. It was such a blur that night. Things happened so fast. But a couple days later, they had an offsite CISM meeting. So everybody from the female unit and who was involved in the incident went to this offsite SISM meeting and at that time, being fairly, fairly new in the service, I guess, I was, I was thinking like the CISM is just part of a checking box off of, you know, somebody's, yeah, this is the service making us do something to cover their ass, right? So I had this like really negative um, perspective of it. But they sat yeah. us in a room and we were all in a circle. And they basically started the meeting with saying, you know, we're going to go around the room, tell us what your involvement was and how you feel about your involvement. And I'm sitting there just mad, right? Like not really wanting to, to be here, you know, just whatever. But I started to listen to all of my colleagues and what they were feeling and how they were feeling, what their role was. And all of a sudden I just felt validated because between the hostage taking and being at home with an eight month old and a two year old, um, I was basically numb. Um, I was not sleeping. I couldn't all I could think about was the incident and I didn't understand what was going on with me. I was short tempered. Um, I could barely handle the presence of my kids and my husband. And I, and I didn't understand what was happening, but after what, as we're going around the room, I'm kind of listening and I'm like, you know what? Okay. It's okay. Like I'm not the only one that feels this way. And it gave me like 
I guess, just validation for my own thoughts and feelings. And I recognize that, you know what, this is a group of my peers. This isn't the service ramming something down my throat. This yeah. is a group of my yeah. peers that, you know, we're all feeling angry and sad and mad and, you know, frustrated and scared. And I think, you know, going back to the first story of, you know, when there were so many female staff responding when you take the MA down to the ground, you feel safe, but all of a sudden we didn't feel safe. That safety that you thought you had, you realized how vulnerable you really were. And we were scared, you know? So I think that really helped me get through the, I guess, avoidance of like actual PTSD from the incident. I think had that not happened, I don't know that, I, I don't know how things would have turned out for me. Because once mm -hmm. that happened, I asked to be on the CISM team because I really wanted other people because it was fairly new in the service at that time. And a lot of people didn't understand what it was like I didn't. Right. So mm -hmm. I really wanted to start promoting it for people to understand that it's not something that we're mandated to do. This is something about peer helping peer uh, and being there for each other and for somebody to listen to somebody that's been through it. So that's kind of how I got interested in, in CISM and then I ended up becoming a member. I ended up having to give it up when I started as an SIO. Um, but by then I think I had, I had sort of felt like I had succeeded in something. So, so yeah, it was just, and, and that's kind of a takeaway for me is like peers helping peers is hands down one of the most important things you can do for your mental health. And uh, um, uh, so I do stuff with OSI Chem. I don't know if you've ever heard right. of them. I've heard of it. Yeah. Uh, and like I, I sit in uh, virtual meetings with people that are like, this is better than any yeah. therapy or like, yeah. because you, you can, and lots of therapists. Great. And, and I want to say like, there are so many more now that actually had careers as first responders. Yeah. So that's yeah. super helpful. Yeah. Um, but I know they're like, this is better than sitting through any sort of, uh, because, and I, Therapy and I think, session. Yeah. and I, yeah. And I think the thing for us was like, no, nobody wanted to admit, like, I think it might be that the job of the first person that speaks, yes. uh, like, right. Yes. To say like, am I going to be open? Am I going to be on Right. Because yeah. I think a lot of times we were all just like, fuck this. We don't want to be here. Yeah. We're all just going to say we're fine. And then we're going to go yeah. for beers. Yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> kind of talk about it, but just get yeah. drunk and pretend it's not happening. Yeah. Um, because yeah, yes. we, we went through like quite a few <laughs> schisms, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and lots of times it was just like, I don't want to sit here and talk to you about, you weren't like, you weren't yeah. there, you know, like, I think it was, it was just set up improperly at our specific yeah. institution only because now we're having conversations with people that are like, well, yes. this is how it's yeah. supposed to be. Whereas yeah. ours was like, you know, I remember it being like quite late at night. It was after we had that, that riot on the, the South pod. Um, and it was like management had to come in and then they were in yes. the room and it was like, yeah. well, what do you remember? And then, yes. well, how, how are, how does everybody have like a different memory of what happened? What do you mean? Yeah, totally. Like, that's trauma. That's, we all see, we're all, which very, they didn't get them, which I yeah. think and they, people did. They were understand. dug on, uh, yeah. And the operational side of it, they brought yes. that into it. They were, they yeah. say things like only two of you can attend because we have to go do the other two have to go do count. And I remember yeah. being in the incident, not in the schism and like having to count inmates. And I've got mud all down my pants yeah. from taking down an inmate yeah. <laughs> and I'm not in the schism. Yeah. And it wasn't until for me, like it was impactful when we had an offsite one yeah. and it was peer driven. And yeah. it was probably and, around the same year as you, yeah. because that's the only time when you were like, okay, yeah. now I get, this makes more sense to me. Yeah. This speaks more to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that was one thing that they made sure. Um, and when I was on the CIS team as well, is the first thing you do is look around the room and, and is everybody belong there? You know, mm. oh, oh, yeah. I, I have a union rep with me. Yeah, no, sorry. Your human yeah. rep's not coming in with you. That's not what this is about, right? <laughs> and no managers were allowed. This was, yeah. so that was, yeah, you're right. That's huge. As soon as you throw a manager in there, because our demobilization right after the incident, the warden was there. Well, yeah, we were so mad at that point that, you know, and we just felt like what nerve to come in here and tell us this, yes. tell us that, right? 
So yeah, you're right. It's the, the pure you thing. And, yeah. Yeah. You can't speak freely to like you, everything yeah. changes when the warden or in our case, yeah. like a lot of times the deputy warden would be coming in there screaming at us. Right. And yeah. you're just thinking basically, yeah. What Lauren said is get me out of here so we can hit yeah. this bar and go yeah. have a beer and, yeah. and then not yeah. sleep for, you know, a year. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> For pretty much. So we're like almost digging to the loony bin. The doctor's yep. like, ah, I think it might just be a sleep issue. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, well, I haven't slept in like six months. Is that a problem? Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, crazy. Yeah, crazy. So you so you are involved in that incident um, mm -hmm. and then and you're working on the medium. And then how long do you stay in the medium? Oh, geez, you guys, it's all muddled. <laughs> but I want and I want to know your yeah. thoughts between females and males because oh Sharon has, and every, everybody, I always like to know because I know your answer. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, some, not everybody listens to every podcast, right? So, like, I yeah. want people to, what, which, what's the difference? What, one thing I'm going to tell you. Okay. So, I mean, obviously, the males are a thousand times easier than the females. Um, you look at, you know, in the male, unit an officer might write one sor a year yeah. you know maybe two in the women's unit we're writing five a day six days <laughs> i was days. like i think we were writing like i was at least writing four every single that, shift like i was making like every notes shift. on my hands about what yeah. my own <laughs> i i'm willing to say there's probably officers in the service that have never written four sors in their entire career <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's right I'm not. And you know what? It's just, um, you know, some are, some are career CX1s, right? They, they're in the tower, they're in the, the mobile right. patrol, and they just don't have a lot of contact. So, but I will tell you one thing is, and no offense to any of the guys I work with, they're great. I have, I have had great experiences over the years. But when you look at the females that worked in the women's unit when it was open, that are now in the male side, those are some of the best officers ever, ever to come out yeah. of Saspen, in my opinion. Like you'll, you'll have a fire down a range on New Year's Eve and sorry guys, but some of them are like, you know, scrambling with their SCDAs and doing this while the women are just like, bang, 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 reports done, going yeah. home. Like, you know, so they, what created out of it was, was some incredible officers. And, and, uh, I could, I could go on for hours how, how, uh, and I mean, it was funny. Cause one of, one of my friends that I, like you make career friends, right? When you work in the women's mm -hmm. unit, make career friends. Mm -hmm. And one of my career friends, um, she she said to me one day, if the women's unit was to open again, would you go? And I was like, you know what? I think I would. If we had the you right would. group of women, right? The right group of staff. Yeah, now that, that we're experienced and we weren't brand new at a core, I think I'd do it. And both of us kind of said, yeah, you yeah. know, with the, right, with the right staff and the right manager, I think we'd do it. Is that crazy? <laughs> well that's I actually have that like as a question like would you do it all over again because yeah I mean we went through lots of stuff but it's yeah. also some of my greatest memories yes. when we all work yeah. together because you're right that muscle memory was there some of my um OSR like our observation reports they were just like yeah. cut and paste from the last one because I'm like same yeah. bitch different day same right bit. yeah or mm -hmm. you know different bitch new day kind of thing it's like yeah they were just yeah. cut and paste so it's yeah. I mean, I, I, I often think back to and say, I probably would do it all over again, just for the memories mm -hmm. that I have now, right? Yeah. Too yeah, old now, sure. but just the memories, too <laughs> yeah. old to wrestle anymore. But. Yes, yes, I know. But, but like you said, like there were, there were times when you'd like taken overtime and I'd worked the, the security unit because Sharon and I worked a uh, security unit together. Uh, like I worked the security and I was like, ah, oh, I won't be able to get away with the same shit. Like, and not that I would get away with, but I'm like, I know that if I beak off, Sharon's got yeah. this or Jody's got yeah. this or, you know, like, or, you know, mm -hmm. I'm going to be the one who talks and Sharon's going to be in her fighting stance, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and that's that. And like Sharon said, those are like some of the best memories, like some of the things yeah. that happened. We were just like, we would like yeah. walk off the rain and be like, oh my God, what the, <laughs> yeah. Hell? Yeah. What the hell just happened? And I mean, like, and like you said, the women are. I don't have experience with men. I only have experience yeah. with women. But when people like tell me like, oh, I'm going to women's prison, I'm like, go to the dudes, you get paid the same amount. And it's exactly. way less work. Like just do yourself work. a favor. They don't listen yeah. to me. And then like three years later, they're like, 
So yeah. like, I'm thinking about transferring to the men's. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yep. you can't believe me. <laughs> yep. Oh, I never yeah. even, transferring to a men's institution never even really crossed my mind. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. I worked, when I was pregnant, I worked at the max, but I did like recruiting and stuff like that. So I was just yeah. in that like building outside, but yeah. never even crossed my mind that, not that I didn't think it was an option. I just don't know, but I mean, maybe, yeah. who knows? So yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So you stay in the medium. You uh, leave when? When do you transition to SIO, or is there like a few other things uh, in between? That? Well, well, I was the, at the medium for a while, uh, and then I ended up going out to the minimum. And I, I always wanted to be an SIO. Uh, even after my first couple of years into the service, it was like, you know what, that would be an awesome job to do. But I don't want to be one of those SIOs that writes the competition, and I have two years under my belt, and I'm going to go and work this job. So I wanted to be very familiar with the institution first. So I, after the medium, I went to the minimum for a while, and then from the minimum, I went to the max. Let me tell you. It goes from, you know, the minimum where it's all good, you know, good morning, Cindy was from the inmates. And then you go to the max and it's like, you fucking can't get off the range. Blah, blah. I'm like, oh, we're not in Kansas anymore. Okay. It was like yeah. instant transition to max. Um, so, so I worked the max for a few years and we had some pretty interesting uh, experiences there. And then uh, I went into the SIO office. Uh, I have 12 years in the SIO office now. So, um, wow. so yeah, a little wow. bit of everything. And, and the only thing I never did was a correctional manager. I just didn't have the interest in that. I never have. Um, yeah. So kind of been 12 years in the SIO office now and, and I'm tired. 25 years in the service. Are you retiring soon? That's my question. Are you, ret- <laughs> are you plan to? <laughs> Probably another five, five years. And then I think, I'll oh, go. wow. So, yeah. yeah, but I'm starting a uh, position at regional headquarters in Saskatoon. It's in an intelligence role. Um, so I'm starting that in October, oh, wow. which is six months. So, yeah, it'll be kind of a nice experience to get. I could still stay with my trade craft, but, you know, not have all the crap that goes with it sort of thing. So it'll be a nice break, I think. And I think those uh, like extra things and the opportunities that are there too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know uh, when I did, I did the fire, I was the fire instructor at, and like just those extra things that pull yeah, you too. from like, yeah. not just yeah. stepping away and getting a, not, a, yeah. I don't want to say a breather, but it almost is like the days yeah. when I got to go there and it was like, I get to train and I get yeah. to be with my people and I don't have to worry about like what's going yeah. on down here. Usually we had a radio in the room just in case we had to go to a call <laughs> yeah. or something. But I mean, at the, it, it was those little extra things that you got to do outside yeah. of there that really kind of yeah. kept me going for as long as I did. I mean, I didn't do 25 years, but, yeah. um, you know, eight was good. It yeah, feels like sure. it. It feels yeah. like it. It feels like we should get two for one time, right? Yes. Yes. I think women. we should. Like, we uh-huh. found. Uh, like right, I was like, yeah, it's like a remand <laughs> sentence for times three. Uh, but you know, you guys, one thing that one thing that I I mean, I've been in the service twenty five years. It's taken me twenty three years to figure out a work life balance. Um, I didn't have it, especially as an SIO. Um, I was very over over invested in the role, which it is. You kind of have to be with a job like that. There's a lot of stuff that happens. Um, you know, not Monday to Friday, eight to four isn't. And it's, yeah, it's a very, it's like, <laughs> right? that you yeah. don't get to choose what day's down no. and what day's up, right? And, and yeah. you got to yeah. go with that sort of flow, yeah. right? Yeah. So, okay, so tell us so, about your work-life balance. I want to hear about this. Uh, well, I think I kind of had an epiphany about two years ago when I realized, like, I've invested so much of my life to the service. I haven't really invested much to, into myself. Right. And I think about raising kids all those years and um, my kids, you know, they had, I guess, to have a mom in corrections, it's they'll, they'll tell you that, you know, we never we went, never went to certain places because our mom was a correctional officer, like in Prince Albert, people get released inmates get released there. So it's a small enough city that you run into ex-inmates all the time. Mm -hmm. So my kids like never, we never got to go to, you know, the exhibition fair or to fireworks downtown. Like if mom said, no, it's not safe to go. They just didn't go. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and my kids talk about that now, like all the things that, and, and my daughter remembers uh, when I said to her once, if anybody ever comes up and talks to mommy, 
uh, that, and I give you a need to go for a walk, wink, then you take your little brother and you go for a walk. So, and that happened from time to time. And my kids would just kind of understand, okay, this is the next inmate and we need to kind of go do something else. And off they go, these little, little guys, right? And they just, you know, and I remember when I transitioned from shift work to SAO, so I had done shift work so many years and I was pregnant as a shift worker even, right? And my son was about 10 when I started the SAO job. And he says, I tucked him into bed and the next night I tucked him into bed. And then like third night, he's like, mom, are you going to tuck me into bed every night? I said, yeah, buddy, I'm going to tuck you into bed every night. And his little mind was just like, like every night. Yeah, buddy, every night. He just couldn't wrap his mind around <laughs> mom being there every night. Right. So there's things like that, that you start to recognize you've given so much and it's really time for self-care. Um, so yeah, probably the last two years that I've really started to to make it a little bit more balanced, right? Like go home at four o'clock. The place isn't going to burn down. Um, I transitioned recently from the SAO at the medium and to the SAO at the minimum, which is a huge difference. Um, you know, giving room for some new blood in there. And uh, so that was a big thing for me. And starting, I, I did a project with NHQ, uh, an intelligence project for four months. So getting away from the role that I've been overly invested in in so many years and then just, you know, like having a hobby and talking to a therapist and, and sort of talking about um, self-care and where do I find that? Where do I start? What do I do? I don't know what to do, you know, start journaling. And, and I started going for walks um, and something as simple as grounding. And this is something that I tell uh, my kids and I tell my friends that they're struggling and I'm like, go outside and feel the wind on your face. Feel what the grass mm -hmm. feels like under your feet. You know, um, what does the sun feel like on your body? You know, all those little things that just takes you back to the moment. Um, and, and along with some meditation, things like that, that I've really incorporated in the last few years. But the only thing I wish is I had done it about 15 years ago. <laughs> so, and here's a crazy thing, right? because we are yeah, trained I've... to always anticipate what's coming. And yes. so I know, and uh, for me, it's so tough to be present in the moment. And I, I same yeah. as you, like when I started the pro, like even meditation, like I will lay there and be like, are we yeah. done yet? Like I'll yeah. start a five minute meditation and be like, <laughs> set, like 17 seconds. And I'm like, that had to have been fact, right? Like we, we struggle with it so much because we are yeah. trained to con and my husband's yeah. a police officer. Right. So he's just as fucked up as me right so it's always like I'm like just be here right now like and I have to constantly because I have to remind myself and I've been doing the work for probably like I've been gone yeah. from the institution for like 10 years so maybe eight but I think yeah. like it's mm -hmm. it's so important to say like you're not you're safe you're safe here yeah. of course yeah there are always in you know extra sentinel whatever but yeah in a prison yeah. you don't feel safe you're heightened you're yeah. and always can happen at any moment like and yeah. and yeah. you know what yeah. will happen to my friends well uh, you know like and you're caught and I remember us sitting in the bubble going okay what if this happened and we would yeah. run scenarios mm -hmm. and, and I I like when I left corrections I was doing that like for every tiny little thing yeah. I had like 15 scenarios and how I was going to respond to each yeah. and every one of them and then mm -hmm. none of those would happen in a new scenario <laughs> oh my <laughs> yeah just overloaded with yeah so much anxiety and so much right so lots yes. of times and and you know like we say like journal and people are lots of people in our, our position don't even know how to yeah. start to do those. Yeah. So I'll do, yes. I'll say like, what about a prompt? What if I sent you yeah. 30 prompts? Cause they just sit there and they're like, fuck this. That's like, yeah. yes. <laughs> you know, you. you know what the perspective of that is like over time you become addicted to chaos. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So drama, drama, drama chaos. chaos. Yeah. And absolutely. when I look at my first marriage, like, I had a, my husband was a wonderful man. He was a wonderful father, but I couldn't handle the monotony of being in, coming home, making supper, being a mom, doing, you know, I needed, you know, I couldn't just settle. I could never find myself just settling because that chaos just becomes so part of your life. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So that's the Busy. problem is just constantly, yes. if, if yeah. you sit down, it's like the whole, everything will come crashing down. And, yeah. and I, if I sat down, it was with a glass of wine to ensure yeah, yes. that whatever was about to come up, I'm just going to drink it. Yeah. 
all the way down here so that it yeah. doesn't. You're right. Yeah. You can only do that for so long. So I yeah. think it's so cool that even toward you, you made it so far without using yeah. those techniques. But the, yeah. the cool thing about it is like towards the end of your career, you're starting to think like, okay, I'm going to retire. Well, what's that going to look like? Right. Yeah. Like, and we yeah. know like there uh, it's a Canadian um, statistic that did, correctional officers, their life expectancy is 58. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm like dead. Yeah. So I'm like dead in eight years, you guys. Yeah, you're dead in eight years. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a lot of a lot of time left here. And I it's know. So, it's so it was so. Uh, I read that statistic and then I got my uh, pension papers and it said you had 17 years and I'm like, no way, I'm not. I'm not going to make it. Like, they're all be dead. And then I'm like, and then I'll be like, what? I'll retire when I'm 50. And I'll only get eight good years, right? But so yeah. much more talk about mental health taking care yeah. of ourselves. I remember like thinking, I know I need to see a psychologist, but will they see this? Right. Yeah. Like, cause I didn't want to go through EAP, which I know was actually getting better. I've had really yeah. good conversations with, um, like yeah. April, um, at, uh, any, not NHQ or HQ. Uh, mm-hmm. but there's like, I know it's getting so much, but I was like, if I see a psychologist, it's going to go through my benefits and then they're going to see that. And then I'm going to yeah. get that. I'm going to be the front desk chick. I'm not being the front desk. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, me yeah. there. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I would yeah, rather be in the so I would rather be in the chaos. I would rather yeah. be in the chaos and mm-hmm. deal with it. Because you know what to yeah, you know what to do in the chaos, right? Yeah. Like that's why you thrive through it because you're you've got the stronger personality. We're taught to be on guard, to be prepared. Yeah. And yeah. so you you're kind of thriving through that stuff. And yeah. it's where, like for me in those years in corrections. Like I, I found myself and what I felt like that was my identity. So when yeah. I left corrections, you leave all of that behind. But yeah. the other part of it is I'm still on guard all the time. Like mm-hmm. when you talk about that, like my daughter, who's now 14, she wasn't allowed to run up. Like, you know, if the ice yeah. cream truck comes in the neighborhood, she was yeah. never allowed. She was only allowed two years ago. She's never mm-hmm. been. And my brother was like, what the fuck? And I was like, why should she run up to a car with somebody offering her like treats? Like that's yeah. not happening. Like, and yeah. I spent my last year at Bowdoin, like the skin bin basically, right? Around yeah. pedophiles. Yeah. So I was like, it's not happening. So she's yeah. just been allowed like in the last two years. And now she says, well, I'll just go to the store and get an ice cream or whatever, right? Like yeah. it's not, you don't run up to vehicles and someone's offering you a fucking treat, like not on yeah. my watch, kid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know what? When, when my husband and I moved to Prince Albert and we got and we uh, got our, like bought our first home, so my kids are just little, right? Like I think my son was one and my daughter was three, and uh, we were kind of excited because I had a uh, a clothesline in the back. So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I could hang my stuff up. So I go out to hang up my kids' clothes, and I'm like, eh, no. If I hang my kids' clothes up here, yeah. some pedophile is going to know that children live here. Yeah, kids live here, <laughs> right? So I got my husband to take it down. Does it like that's the concept that you have, right? You yes. think about things like that, and yeah, just 100%. over invest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. For it sure. is a it is a tough place to be, right? And especially like you said, so invested. I remember being like, they call for overtime. I'd say no, I'm not. I can't come, and then I'd be like, oh, I should go. I feel so like, what if someone gets ordered or, you know, like I felt, yeah, yeah. and, and that was probably part of the downfall too. Like I worked so much. I, yeah. my, my boyfriend at the time like worked away. So I was like, well, if he's not here, I'll just work. He's my husband now, but like, I'll just work. If he's not home, I'll just work. And then we yeah. can go on all Might as well. Extra- yeah. Extravagant mm-hmm. vacations, which we did yeah. thinking, but I only worked for those days off and yeah. those days off weren't even that That's good right. because I was always, yeah. Even I had a conversation with um, someone today and she, uh, my, like my hairdresser, her husband's a police officer, officer too. And we, I was saying something about like my husband went on holidays and he got very sick and I'm like, it's their bodies coming down because it, they don't ever get more than four days off in a row. Right. So yeah, then you're right. they take like a 12 day stretch and yeah. all of a sudden it's like, they can start to come down. Have you ever read emotional survival for the law enforcement from no. Kevin Gilmartin, it's an incredible book. Oh, yes. And he's, yeah, he's a brilliant I've speaker. I've actually seen him. I've seen Isn't him it, Yeah, he's a brilliant yes. speaker, hey? Yeah. yeah. I remember mm-hmm. when they said it was an eight-hour talk, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be horrible. And yeah. it was so good. Uh, anyways, yeah. 
but he talks about that right like coming down so yes. after those four days you can never actually do that but after like yeah. day five or day six you can so we were just talking about like the immune system and all these crazy things that happen to you physiologically not necessarily yeah. you know emotionally or mentally but there's a lot of things happening in your body that yeah you have no control over and that when we didn't speak about mental health and we didn't speak yeah. about taking care of ourselves. It was just like, you just, you just show up here, monkey, you do what I tell you to do. Mm-hmm. And then you, you all let you know when your days are off and then you come back when I say, right. Like it's so crazy <laughs> that it, it operated like that. And I'm so, cause Sharon mm-hmm. and I've had so many conversations that, you know, it's the mentality has changed, right. There's yeah. a yeah. lot of, which is good. Yeah. yeah. Which is uh, good. Yeah. Like we're like, if that's anything, if this is what people get from this too, or even going back to their workplaces and be like, Hey, CFC is talking about mental health. You guys like, we need to start doing this. <laughs> we need to do yeah. it too. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, it's, sure. uh, and I know like RCMP are getting more like it, it is. Yeah. And, and the smaller centers are really good for that because they are smaller yeah. and they can make little tiny task force to do it. But when you're trying to pull together an entire federal system and I know yeah. I know federal likes to have everything like congruent between everybody. So to try and do that is, is a big moving piece of a puzzle, right. That um, isn't, doesn't happen quickly, but as long as people are talking about it and openly sharing about it, Sydney, I mean, openly sharing about your experiences and the things that you went through is what, what will convince someone else to do the same thing right? yeah like for sure you heard Jill and then you're like I think I can but I don't know and we're like I don't can know. you do it tomorrow <laughs> we're not gonna give you any time to back out you're not backing yeah, out exactly. <laughs> only one sleepless night instead of like five that's perfect and that's the best yeah. that's the best yeah, time right perfect. it's like I only yeah. have to worry about it for a couple days instead of a month yeah 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 for I, sure okay so we have one more question Okay. Uh, before we wrap it up so we like to ask uh we always have like an ending question it's kind of revolved this season uh because we didn't want to ask james lee what uh <laughs> he's like what uh so uh the, obviously the podcast is from uniforms to unicorns and sharon and i kind of look at it as like it is rare for us to uh especially with all of like handcuffs you said like they got me with the pension and they got me with the thing and and that's usually the reason people stay right it's like oh I got 10 more years I'm just gonna suck just gonna suck it up and do my thing so uh a unicorn is something that is like highly desirable really rare and like like hard to find or obtain so what about you as a unicorn like we kind of want to know oh my gosh you guys (laughs) (laughs) well I I guess I'd say what makes me sort of unique um, would be, um, you know, the fact that, you know, I started in the service um, when women were very, very new to the service um, and, you know, working in all the different departments and eventually as an SIO and, you know, doing all those things while raising kids, um, you know, being yeah. a mom and trying to yes. be a present mom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and my kids are 25 and 22 now. And can you imagine, like, I, I had them, like, I had my yeah. son when, when, when I was working there, right? So when I look mm-hmm. at how old they are. Um, so for me, I guess, I think the years of service that I've, I've yep. uh, you know, I've put in. Um, and also, when I look at the SIO, SIO role, it is extremely demanding. It's, there's a lot of accountability involved. Um, and when I look at the SIOs across the country federally, I'm probably one of the longest standing ones out there at about, I'm in my 13th year. We don't see that very often, but mm-hmm. I love my job as an SIO. I wouldn't trade those years for anything. The only thing I wish I would have done is to have a better work-life balance um, and, you know, being able to ask for help when I really needed it. So I would say, you know, anybody who wants to be an SIO, if, if you're looking for something where you can have, uh, you know, you're involved in, in, you know, the gang management and the drug interdiction, and you're involved in the investigations, that's something that that's exciting for you. Definitely give it a shot. It's a great career, but just know that it is very demanding and you need to keep that in your mind. Um, you know, that you can't live and breathe the job as much as it, and it's easy to get swallowed up. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, I, I don't regret any of my time in the service. Um, I just wish I would have been a little bit more mentally prepared, I guess, for, um, you know, if some, I wish somebody would have told me what I'm telling people now, you know, when I first started. Right. And I think, I you, think know? you touched on something amazing, right? Because there's no way I could have done shift work with two children. My husband yeah. was a shift worker. So when we started looking at me possibly going back to the prison, it was like, oh, okay, so our kids are in child care for 16 hours a day, right? Yeah. Like, but yeah. even to think about, you know, having a regular job and a shift work husband, even yes. that was like, it was yeah. hard. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's very unicorn. Like, cause I know people like yeah. have two kids and they're like, there is no stinking way I'm out. Yeah. Peace out yeah. everybody. Right. So <laughs> yeah. You did it. You did it while you were I super did. young. You did the co-pat, like all these crazy things. So you are very much a unicorn and you look yeah. like so freaking like Thank anyone who's been yeah, in the too. service for 25 years. I'm, I don't want to say they look, but you, like, you can see it on their face. Right. And, and then I'm just like, what, where did you come from? How did you, you haven't done 25 years. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. About you. Oh. you guys yeah. started in 1997. For wow. <laughs> wow. I was 15. Were you? Yeah, I watched oh Sharon's like, what? Sharon's the same age as you. Are you 50? You're 51. Yeah. 51. 51. Yeah. 51. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I turned 40 and you turned 50 last year. So yeah. Yeah, well, that's you, right. You guys look fantastic as well. Oh, well, thank uh, you. Awesome. Thank you. Because yeah. you haven't had you. your careers either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, bless you guys for doing this. I think, you know, not just, um, I know you guys don't do just corrections in your podcasts. You have a lot of first responders, but I think it's so unique. It's kind of an insider story when you, because nobody really yeah, knows what is. happens in corrections, right? But not only that, but also, you know, we've done some focusing on women in corrections, which is like, you know, extra challenging. And then being a mom is like mm-hmm. the triple decker, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. mm-hmm. um, so awesome for you guys to take the time to, to do stuff like this. I think it's fantastic. And to focus on the mental health, like I said, I wish... I would have known these things and ladies like you would have been around 20 years ago. <laughs> me too. I service. wish someone would have told me this stuff so yeah. long ago, right? Like I might be in a different spot, but I mean, I'm, I, I don't want to be, that's for sure. Yeah. 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 All the no, things awesome. that I went through and the people I met and the things like that. No, exactly. thank you for sharing thank your you. story. Um, I know Thanks this for was very me. much out of your comfort zone. I mean, it, was <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it was amazing. You did amazing though. Yes. Yeah. Thank awesome. you so much. Yes. Well, you thank guys you. are great. Thank you for having me. Well, that's all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram at From Unicorns to Unicorns uh, on all podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Speaker, all of those. Also feel free to subscribe. You'll be notified of new episodes that come out and we always love a review. Also feel free to share with anybody you would enjoy. We also want to send a big thank you to Jamie Green for being our podcast editor and to Jeff Bale at Third Hell Music for our soundtrack. Thanks again, everyone. Have a great day. Love, Lauren and Sharon. Bye.